Welcome to episode 21 of the Behind the Weather Forecast podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Lukowicz. Thank you so much for tuning in. And today I'm very excited to be joined by Zach Green, who is now a meteorologist uh, weekday mornings for WBZ, which is a CBS affiliate in Boston. Um, He joined them uh, last year and before that. He was uh, the meteorologist for weekday mornings on Sunrise in Providence at NBC10. So, Zach, welcome and thanks for coming on. Ryan, I really appreciate you having me on, my friend. I know it's been a little while since uh, we've been able to see each other, but I know because I've been following you, you've been keeping up with the weather on your daily stuff. I love it, man. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah, Zach and I uh, went to lunch last summer and connected through some mutual friends and um, it's good that we've stayed in touch and that uh, we're doing this now. So talk about how you got into weather, because you have a bit of a different story than most. Yeah, you know, you typically hear meteorologists saying, I got into weather when I was six years old. I saw my first snowstorm, and that kind of sparked the inspiration and followed it all the way through. I actually didn't realize that I wanted to get into this business until I was about a junior in college. In fact, my first introduction to broadcast meteorology wasn't until January of my senior year in college. But I think my passion started prior to that um, when I was taking climatology courses and atmospheric science courses at the University of Delaware. Mm -hmm. I had some amazing professors that kind of opened my eyes to not only weather from a narrow standpoint, but just how broad the industry could possibly be. So they gave me all of the tools to kind of take that run in a bunch of different paths. And I was able to get my hands in a bunch of different areas of the field. And then somebody suggested, hey, would you ever think about going to do television? And at the time, I couldn't string four words together without sounding like a blabbering fool. So (laughs) I said, there's no way I could do that. And then they said, well, why don't you give it a chance? And thankfully, NBC10 Providence did give me a chance, WJAR, with Chief Meteorologist Mark Searles. Yes. Um, He gave me an internship, and I fell in love with it from about day half a day. It it took about two hours for me to realize, wow, this is something that I want to pursue. And uh, it it went from there. And it, it didn't just go from there. It was a hard road, but it went from there. Yes. So you went from, in your, you know, job-wise, I believe you went from Montana to North Carolina to Providence to Boston, right? Did I get that right? Yes, sir. That's exactly it. What what stations did you work at before you came to Providence? I worked at at KRTV. That was my first job. Um, I was actually, I, I did some traveling in Asia, I would say, pseudo gap year. I didn't realize I was going to take a gap year, but I took a gap year after college. Uh, and then I got my first position. It was one callback after applying to about 70 stations. <laughs> and KRTV in Great Falls, Montana was my one. And they took a chance on me. And I would never have it any other way. Market 192. <laughs> and for people that are unfamiliar with television markets, uh, there's only there's 210 in yeah. the country. So 192 is pretty far down there. Then we went to uh, WLOS in Western North Carolina. Oh, yeah. Affiliate in Asheville. And from there, I did about 18 months. 
as a weekend morning meteorologist. And then I was you know, fortunate enough, not, this doesn't always happen, but the vacancy opened up in my hometown. And my first introduction to television, WJR in Providence. So I worked there for about three years, and now I'm at CBS in Boston. Yeah, and that's that's awesome. And you um, started at WBZ as weekend evening meteorologist, right? And then you uh, you were doing that for six, seven months, and then you got yeah. the weekday opportunity, right? Yeah, the opportunity was something I, I never expected, but I learned from some incredible people at the station, and you know they put their trust and me and I felt that I needed to you know return the favor and work my tail off and be at two in the morning and do everything I needed to do uh, to make sure that they were confident and that's where we stand now and it's, uh, it's been such a blessing and I, and I um, I'm so fortunate to be in a position that I'm in. Now talk about um, what time do you wake up in the morning? I know that's what people always want to know. <laughs> It's more of what time do you wake up in the middle of the night? Because <laughs> we, uh, my alarm, my first alarm goes off at one forty-five in the morning. Oh wow! And I am sitting suit and tie at the station in the weather center, starting the forecast at three a.m. Really? And so you? I, yeah, I do about ninety minutes of, of forecasting and analytics and mm-hmm. reading the data, and then we build the graphics as well. So all that has to happen before the red light goes on at 4.30. And that's yes. when the first show on CBS happens. Yeah, and for people who are unfamiliar, uh, you guys have a two-and-a-half-hour newscast, like a uh, morning newscast, like most you know most stations, uh, 4.30 a.m. to 7 a.m. And then uh, just within the last year, you started something called CBSN. And explain what that is and how important that is I think CBSN is the way that media is going to be consumed in not only the future but the very near future and we're hoping that it takes off now um, and CBS has done a wonderful job of trying to generate that new streaming service so what it is it's a 24 hour online stream of the local and national news so obviously you can you know go on Twitter and catch your updates here and there in very sporadic and short fashion but if you're looking for longer form but in real time news this is continuously updated from a headlines front to the local endeavors to the weather and with every update I mean something as simple as the sun just came out we are back on CBSN Boston updating folks so that they have all of things that they need for the rest of the day so it's um i think everybody's kind of in this march to see what type of media will be the one of the future and i think cbs is, is kind of leading the path in that um yeah by doing cbsn and implementing that yeah i will i'll tell a quick story um it was the it was march 16th it was the monday of our uh, quote-unquote vacation week um in march right. which of course emergency vacation week and it was probably one or two o'clock. Of course, none of the local news was on, and I uh, wanted to uh, go on uh, CBSN and just you know see what was going on. Of course, in the Boston area and nationally, and um, I guess the New York building, which is the main 
CBSN stream, if you will, was getting like clean a big cleaning for Corona, you know, because of coronavirus. And I remember the you guys had taken over, and it was um, Paula and you, and you were actually <laughs> leading the way. You know, you were giving the national forecast, and you guys were providing that coverage that I needed in that second. So. Yeah, uh, me, I think media is is certainly going in a in a new direction. Um, you know, people aren't necessarily sitting down every night all the time to watch the six o'clock and you know eleven o'clock news. You're seeing these new time. You know, ten. You guys have a ten o'clock show now, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're just you know the product and. The, the show times they're always fluctuating to make sure it's keeping up with the audience and we go based off of what you guys need not the other way around so right. um, I think CBSN is, is definitely something that's, that's going to continue to happen yeah and, and I'll link um, in the description the CBS and Boston streams you can uh, watch Zach and all of his co-workers now when, when are you on CBSN usually? I'm on at 9am so what they do after 7 o'clock is, you know, if there are any crucial updates, then we will go in because we have two separate studios. There's WPC Studio and then there's the CBSN Studio. Yeah. And we will update things as they come and go, but then we go live again with a completely new show at 9 a.m. Um, oh, okay. So it will be 9 o'clock and 1 o'clock are the features that I do. And then Eric Fisher, who's the chief meteorologist at WBZ, will take over for the shows after that. Awesome. Yeah, I, that is great. And the reality is all you know companies and tv stations and you know they all have their strengths and weaknesses and i think one of wbz's strengths which stands out is that you guys are pretty much everywhere you know you can you can be on uh, tv and social media and you know on cbsm which i think you can watch right right on the tv right Oh, yeah, if you want to pull it up. I mean, the thing is, everybody seems to have smart TVs at this point. So you can just log on to CBSN, and it'll it'll stream directly to your television. You don't have to go online. Yeah, so I I, I can say I, I watch uh, CBSN quite quite often, and it it's great because whenever you have time to uh, watch the news, or whenever you just want a, a quick up update on your weather forecast, of course you know you tune into me, but also uh, Zach is <laughs> is great too, um, of course with the weather. So um, t- let's talk about current weather happenings. You know we've got. A very active hurricane season going on. We just saw. Don't we though? Yeah, to, to say the least. <laughs> um, Laura, uh, of course, uh, made landfall as a Category Four um, in the um, around uh, the Louisiana coast. So, uh, it, it, you, what are your concerns for the rest of the season? Well, it, it's unprecedented in the way that the of the season is going you know we're with every next letter of the name of the alphabet we are just too fast within the season by a historical standpoint um mm. so the national hurricane center obviously when kind of their mid-season update bumped everything up as they absolutely should have from the initial already active forecast that they had put on for 2020 um but that back-to-back one-two punch of of Marco and Laura was oh, yeah. a really scary scene to watch unfold because the technology is, is so impeccable now that not 
the National Weather Service and the National Hurricane Center, but a lot of the models, the GFS specifically, really nailed down the proximity and the locations in which these were going to happen. And that's, while it was a scary scenario, because it was kind of the jab and then the cross, because Laura obviously was a devastating category four that landed 150 mile per hour winds in Canada, Louisiana. I mean, that cracked the top 10. I think it tied for the top five strongest winds ever from a continental U.S. landfall. So that in itself is going to be historic. But on top right. of it, it's just so incredible that within a 72-hour, maybe even 96-hour time frame, the National Hurricane Center's official forecast came within like two and a half miles of where the initial landfall was. So mm-hmm. I think what's, what's occurring sure. is people are starting to really focus on the confidence of these models and some of the technology and the forecasters that are providing them because while you know one death is too many there was absolutely a serious evacuation plan coming out of louisiana and eastern texas and i think it mitigated a lot of the concern that maybe other hurricanes and other large tropical systems may have had in the past so it, it was uh, a very scary scenario. Clearly, it's going to be a, a financial burden for those folks for years to come. Mm. I just think that we're moving forward in regards to information and, and putting it out to the, to the public. Yeah, it was funny. I was telling a story yesterday on Facebook Live uh, yesterday um, about how it was a year ago this week we were tracking Dorian. And, of course, Dorian mm-hmm. um, was um, you know, a, a history-making storm, if you will, um, just because of the uh, intensity and, and the um, the track. And my point was, that was storm number four of the season, and now we're on uh, we're on number a P, I believe now, because we saw, saw uh, Omar as the last one. That's name 16, I, I, I think. So that is four times as many storms, essentially, we have seen this year compared to last year so i mean people i I think the number one question i get asked right now is is a hurricane going to hit new england and my answer is well the chance is higher just because of all the activity we've been seeing Uh, of course we can't uh, you know guarantee there's you know we can't uh, forecast models can't say you know where there's going to be a landfall but the chance is greater. Right. And here's, here's what I will say in respect to that. I think what's on our side, at least in New England, and, and for the Atlantic season as a whole, is yes, we're, we are getting close to the end of the English alphabet, and I, there's a chance that we flip over to the Greek alphabet. We may check off every name on the list this time around. But right. With the statistical height of hurricane season, we're right in the midst of it as we speak. We got about 10 days to go, and then mm-hmm. we are over the hill and hopefully, you know, on the decline so that there isn't as much of a threat as we move into mid and late September. So, um, you know, we still are obviously going to have more storms as, you know, the Atlantic Basin is, is very active. But uh, I'm hoping that, you know, we can get over the hill with Laura as the main, you know, chaos maker, and then we can. Uh, we can maybe focus on winter forecast not soon after. <laughs> I know. It's craziness. And the other thing, 
um, that's been making news around southern New England is A, the lack of rain, and B, uh, lots of heat this summer. So talk about that. Lots of what? I'm sorry, I missed that last part. Um, we've been seeing lots of heat, you know, there oh, above yeah. average temperatures. This is this is a remarkable stretch. I mean, record 90-degree days. I think Manchester, New Hampshire is up to something like close to 30, 90-degree days so far this summer. But the, the job test, right. it, while it typically comes around August, it, it's pretty impressive this time because of the lack of snow that actually came prior to it. So your mountain runoff and your typical rivers and streams are, are at such a low flow in northern New England up in the Lake Mountains region. And then you're also going to get some residual effects down south of Rhode Island, uh, most of southern New England, too. It, it's just of not course. the same hydrological year as what we have seen in the past. So I, I'm looking around thinking any shower is going to help the cause. And, you know, oh, it yeah. does. And over time, we're probably going to mitigate that concern, too. But it seems like there's been water bans in place and restrictions really since mid to can I even say early summer? It's, it's, it's been a little bit of a stressor. So I know. Uh, that scenario will hopefully come to an end as, as the season starts to shift, too. Hopefully. Yeah, we've been getting a little bit more rain lately, but it's still not, um, you know, anything measurable. So uh, last few minutes here. Um, I want to talk about forecasting for the Boston area. I mean, of course, I'm focused um, more towards Providence and the South Coast, but you guys really serve everyone from southern New Hampshire down through Boston out a little bit towards Worcester, and then to the Cape and the islands. So is that a challenge? Because sometimes the forecasts are completely different, just you know, a few dozen miles apart, right? I'm sure that's something you guys yeah, uh, face. As the, flow, as the crow flies, it's really not that far of a difference, but what is amazing right. about New England and why I think it's both the most challenging and the most rewarding is there are so many different elements at play within any given day and there's so much terrain and topography that can come along with it so i mean you are either at or below sea level in some respect of our dma and for those listening dma is an estimated market area that's the region in which we will be forecasting in and as brian said it's not just boston it goes down all no. the way to Martha's and nantucket as far west as the worcester hills and about as far north as central new hampshire and the seacoast of New Hampshire, too. So you kind of get all of these different things in play. And, and what's amazing is something along the lines of, say, a nor'easter is going to have much different effects in each one of those locations that I just mentioned, whether it's yeah. going to be wind or the rain slash snow accumulation or the potential to have any number of weather phenomena go on. So... I enjoy it because it keeps me on my toes, and you're also not talking about the same thing every single day. There Absolutely. Was a time where it was a, it was pretty stagnant in a few other areas that I have forecast for the country, and this just throws curveballs. Even on a sunny day, you can get a major temperature swing from the immediate coast to interior spots, all just by wind direction and how a sea breeze is interacting with the land. So it's. Uh, it's the most enjoyable forecasting I have ever done. Absolutely. And um, being a local is also something I'm passionate about. Yeah, and even when we get thunderstorms, I mean, a lot of times they um, may make it, you know, to uh, areas north and 
west of Boston, and then they just fizzle out. So it, you know, of course you want to provide coverage for those areas that usually get precipitation. And then it's like, you know, if you're on the Cape watching or, uh, you know, somewhere along the south coast, it's like, well, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. I mean, this morning was a, was a beautiful representation of that. We had a cluster of thunderstorms in Berkshire County, which is western Massachusetts and the northwestern parts yeah. of Connecticut. And it rolled right towards 495 in that typical west to east fashion. It was just kind of following a short wave. And when that happened, all of a sudden, it, it hit the mass pike and got eaten up. And I'm talking about torrential rain in Worcester Hills. And I said, yeah. you're probably sitting in Boston looking around saying, well, where is this? What are you talking about? What's going on? Yeah. And that's what's so amazing is you have to kind of play both sides of it with a little bit of urgency on one end and then tell people, you know what? You guys are doing just fine on the other. And by the way, I have to do that in a matter of two and a half minutes. <laughs> I know. A fun game. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Zach, for coming on. Um, you can follow him, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Zach Green WX, right? Yes, sir. And then I'll link the CBSN stream so people can watch your coverage throughout the day, the 9 a.m. and 1 p.m. shows and all of the other regular newscasts in between. Thank you so much for coming on, Zach. Ryan, thank you so much. And i got to say, you're one of the most passionate people about weather. I hope you continue to enjoy this industry and weather as a whole. And I can't wait to talk to you soon, my friend. Awesome. Thank you so much, Zach. I appreciate that. And thank you for listening, everyone.